The podcast you're about to listen to may contain random lines from musical theater, terrible attempts at regional accents, and a sincere discussion about mental health. You have been warned. Are you ready to start singing with your feet? Formidable! Allez, c'est parti! Juste dans la joie Une joie profonde Nos cœurs, elle inonde Cette joie, elle vient du ciel Non, nous ne sommes pas fous Welcome to Sing With Your Feet My name is Lily Fields And I'm going to be your fairy godmother For the next half hour or so Here we are, our fourth episode On the topic of our wardrobes For some of you, this is probably just about enough of all this closet talk. For others of you, you are just now getting around to seeing the benefit of doing a closet inventory. For those of you who haven't started doing your closet inventory yet, it is literally never too late to start. In case you are wondering what benefit there could ever be in wasting a minute and a half each day, 90 seconds of your life that you will never get back, marking down what you are wearing and a few details about where it came from and how much it cost, let me cut to the chase. Knowing what you actually wear and why you actually wear it will save you both time and money in the long run. And lest I repeat myself on a loop for all eternity, our time and money are two of the three resources we have in this life to use. The third being our talent. Using our time, talent, and our treasure wisely will bring us to a place where we can make a difference in this world, a real difference of the kind that we were designed to make. So, if you think that thinking about what we wear and that doing a closet inventory is a waste of time and gets in the way of the more important things that you may be doing, let me humbly disagree and argue that you will be spending time thinking about what you wear anyway. You will spend mindless hours impulse shopping and untold fortunes on clothes that you will never end up wearing. Being thoughtful about what you wear now can save you those hours and fortunes later. To quote my friend Beth, it's true, but it's hard. Yes, the closet inventory is kind of hard. And that is why this week I am going to explain the why and the how of the inventory elements and give you some tools to jog your memory as you complete the inventory. Now, I've heard from quite a few of you who are experiencing little flashes of understanding about why you've been keeping things in your closet for years and years, even though you either don't like them or simply will never wear them again. I still haven't gotten to the part where I have suggested that you grab a donation bag and start culling items for your closet, but some of you have already started doing it. When you're ready, you're ready. It happens suddenly. The closure that comes from that little flash of understanding is sometimes all we need to make a break from the past. But don't be too hasty either. Decluttering, and this is a hill that I'm willing to die on, even if you think I'm crazy for it, it can feel euphoric. The power that comes with making decisions that clear out head, heart, and closet space is addictive. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I have regretted decluttering some things. Now, with many, many years of experience in making these kinds of closet decisions, I have come to recognize when it is just the euphoria of understanding 
why I've been clinging to an item as opposed to the readiness to make space in my head for clearer thinking. Remember, heart space and head space. It means that we can think clearly and we can feel clearly. Now, if you are feeling that euphoria, here's what I would suggest. Put the items that you want to get rid of in a black trash bag and put that black trash bag out of sight for a set period of time. I would suggest perhaps till the end of the season. So let's say maybe mid to late March. Put yourself a little reminder on your calendar for a month and a half from now, then go back to that bag. If you have needed nothing from it, and if you can only vaguely remember what's in there, then it's time to send it off to the donation bin or to pass it on to someone else. That cooling off period helps determine if it was decluttering euphoria or genuine readiness. In episode 45 called Wardrobe Therapy, I introduced a concept that I like to call living off the land. That is to make do with what we already have on hand. It's a conscious effort to use up and wear out certain elements before we go out on the lookout for the replacements. In other words, living off the land means that I intentionally do not shop. I stop browsing my favorite websites. I take the long way home to avoid walking past my favorite lingerie shop. Doing a closet inventory is a fantastic way to pass the time during a shopping hiatus. With the time that we save by not taking a stroll through Intimissimi or H&M or driving that extra two miles to your favorite thrift store, we cannot then make the excuse that a closet inventory is too time consuming. Plus, do not get me started on the money that I have saved by not stepping foot in my favorite thrift store. During one shopping hiatus, I would put five euros in an envelope each time I convinced myself not to go into that shop. I won't say that I was rich by the end, but I was able to buy myself a leather jacket with the cash that I saved up. At the risk of being rebarbative, I want to take each of the columns in our closet inventory and explain why this piece of information is important and maybe give you a few tools to help you remember some of what you might think on first blush that you couldn't possibly remember about the item. I will put a link in the show notes to the blog article where I posted the closet inventory spreadsheet and Google Doc. Remember, I like to keep my closet inventory in my Google Drive because I have access to it wherever I am with my phone. Honestly, While I am really quite faithful to my closet inventory, I don't always do it first thing in the morning when I get dressed. I sometimes do it while I am waiting in line somewhere or while I'm watching the pot not boil at dinner time. The first element on our closet inventory spreadsheet is the date that the item came into our possession. Na na na, Littlefields, you say? How in the world am I supposed to remember exactly when I acquired anything? It's not the exactly when that matters. What matters is that you take some time to remember the circumstances around when this item came to your closet. Sometimes we purchase an item for a specific event, and although we may not remember when we bought it, we do remember when that event was. So use that date. Think about if you have any photos of yourself wearing it. This also might help jog your memory too. For me, I have items that I know I owned before having children, and there are items I know that I've acquired since I had children. This makes a rather stark before and after. Some of the pre-children clothes belong to a kind of hazy time, but 
with a little thought, I can remember events or work situations or travels I experienced in those items. What's interesting about knowing approximately when a piece of clothing came into our possession is that we get to see just how long our clothing can last. A well-loved, well-cared-for sweater can last for 15 years or more. A well-worn pair of jeans can last five years or more. For me, a pair of socks lasts about two years, allowing for one serious mending. Seeing that clothes can actually last a long time eventually can lead us out of shopping, less out of a sense of urgency that something's going to wear out. There are a few, very few pieces of clothing that I have actually ever worn out. Those that I have worn out have ended up tearing up and using them as craft supplies or as rags because usually those items are incredibly well-loved and have great memories attached to them. Another thing that is nice about knowing the date when an item was brought into our closet is to see that price and quality do not always go hand in hand. It's not because we paid more for something that it will necessarily stay nicer longer. This is a hard, painful lesson to learn. Sometimes more expensive things are just more expensive. I am not advocating fast fashion here at all, but I do believe that the people who try to sell you an expensive wool dress saying that it will last longer are still just trying to sell you an expensive wool dress. Don't let the allure of a higher price tag delude you into thinking that it is of better quality or will last longer. How we care for our clothes determines how long they will last. The description column of the spreadsheet is where you might put something like a purple pashmina or white lace top or black wool tights. It is, it's a description so that you know what the certain thing is that you're referring to. I have some clothes that I've worn for certain events, for example, that I refer back to that dress by the name of the event. Or another idiosyncratic name might be, for example, a green and white dress that I bought at Target in 2019 that Google Lens thought was from the Nigerian Olympic team's wardrobe. So I call it my Team Nigeria dress. Anything that articulates for you what the item is and will help identify it from other similar items in your inventory will work. Now, it gets complicated when you have four black tank tops, Nespa. So you might have to include additional details about it. Black tank top with lace, black ribbed tank top, black wide strapped tank top, favorite black tank top. The next column is the origin. From where did you acquire this item of clothing? Did you buy it at a store or is it a hand-me-down from your sister's closet? Maybe it was a gift for Mother's Day or maybe you bought it with a gift card. I have my own little vocabulary for this kind of thing. It's easy if I bought the item at a store and the item has its own store brand. Like, for example, my favorite long-sleeve cashmere t-shirt is from that fancy schmancy lingerie store that's called Intimissimi. That's why it says Intimissimi on the line for origin. On the other hand, my lovely green hand-knit skirt that I just cast off my needles a week ago, that one says handmade. But on the other hand, I have a denim button-down that my neighbor gave me as a hand-me-down, and although it originally came from a store, I put the origin as Shirley. And in the description, I call it my denim promod, that's the name of the brand, button down. The easiest way to use the origin column is to indicate where the item lived before it lived with you. Now, 
Why is this important? For one thing, it is very interesting to see over time if there is any kind of tendency about where your favorite items come from. You might be thinking, sure, Lily, okay, my favorite underwear comes from Victoria's Secret. But I am going to tell you something that I learned about myself through this exercise of the closet inventory. Many of my favorite clothing pieces came from other people's closets and were hand-me-downs to me. Not all of them, but many of them. I think this speaks to a number of different things. Number one being that I trust others more than I trust myself to choose clothes. It also goes to show how sentimental I am about clothes. I like wearing things that other people gave me because it puts me in proximity to them, even when we aren't together. That said, it is also useful to know the brand or the origin of an item because then, if you find that it is really something that you love and adore and cannot live without, you can scour the resale markets both online and in real life to find another one. Although on first glance, this may seem tough to remember, especially if you have a ton of clothes, I think you'll find that as you reach back in your memory to different times and places where you wore it, the history of the item will start to come back to you. Let me give you an example of how this works for the date and the origin as it happened in my closet inventory. I have a royal blue cardigan in my closet. I feel like it has been in my closet forever, and I know that I had it before I had babies. So I had to think about a few facts about it maybe to help me remember where and when I acquired it. Now, it is this really, really, really royal blue color. And what I remember about it is the first time I wore it, a colleague made fun of the color. She said it was electric. I remember instinctively feeling defensive about what she said. And I remember responding, well, I call this color Princess Kate Goes to the Olympics Blue. So just remembering that little fact about that cardigan put me squarely back at a time around the London Olympic Games because I could remember seeing a photograph of William and Catherine sitting in the stands and she was wearing a really bright blue color. So with a quick Google search, I was able to put the acquisition of this cardigan to some time after the summer of 2012, but not too far afterwards that my reference to the Olympics would have been weird. So that's how this works. You just have to dig back in your memories and find something to cling on to and maybe even do a Google search here and there. So the next column on our closet inventory is the price. Yet again, I don't expect that you will remember to the penny how much a piece of clothing cost you. But you probably remember approximately how much. I mean, if it was really expensive, you probably remember that, right? Or if it was really, really cheap, you probably remember that too. You know what kind of price range you typically shop in. So you know what would be a price you would have been willing to spend for something. Let's take that blue cardigan again, for example. I remember where I bought it. It's a shop that no longer exists, actually. I may not remember the exact price, but I do remember that it was truly a reasonably priced shop. And on the high end, I probably spent about 15 euros on that cardigan. Even if the price isn't exact, it's better to write something, however approximate, than to leave it blank. This kind of fact, like simply writing down how much an item cost, can make us feel all kinds of things. This is where our closet inventory can lead us to feel quite ashamed. 
Becoming aware of the sums and sums of money that we have spent on our clothing can be incredibly humiliating. Honestly, I'm glad I started when I did and not 15 years before when I couldn't have been bothered to rein in my spending. Oh, just to think of the fortunes that I have spent on clothing that I end up discarding. It makes me so sad. All this treasure that could be used on more meaningful things. Lest I digress, the price is important because it is one of two factors in how we will quantify the usefulness of an item in our closet. Cost is the first element, and the second element is the number of times that we've worn it. What now, Littlefield? You expect me to remember how many times I've worn that black dress? <laughs> no, honestly, I don't. I mean, I don't remember how many times I have worn that Princess Kate Goes to the Olympics blue cardigan. But I can take an educated guess. I've worn it probably about five times per year since the boys were born, so that would be what, 35 times? Before that, I wore it at least once a week in spring and fall, and once a month in the winter. So let's say that for the three years it was in my closet, I wore it 25 times per year. My math won't work out perfectly because I'm going to round down and estimate that I've worn that cardigan about 100 times. This is obviously easier to calculate if you've started your closet inventory before you acquired an item. All you need to do then is add a line onto your spreadsheet and actually start adding up the number of times you've worn it. I'm not advocating that you run out right now and go shopping just to test out how much simpler it is to calculate the number of wears on something new. Just trust me, it is. Now, when it comes to things like socks, underwear, jackets, boots, I leave this up to your discretion. I would argue that these things do count towards your total number of wears. I mean, if they cost you money and you wear them, then you should at least try to keep up. But it can get hard to remember, I will admit that. This figure, that is the number of wears, is the second important element to our key performance indicator, the CPW. Heads up, Cinderella, your fairy godmother is about to get very, very nerdy. The cost per wear, or as I like to call it, my geekery nonsense, the CPW, is the price for an item divided by how many times you've worn it. It's very simple. This is how I know that an item of clothing is pulling its weight in my wardrobe. I have one hard and fast rule about the CPW. If I do not think that I could possibly wear an item enough times in what is left of the year so that the CPW is one euro or less, then I will not buy it. I consider anything that is over one euro per wear new. I'm thinking about that leather jacket I bought with the money I saved by paying myself not to shop. <laughs> I bought it at a second-hand vintage store, but it still cost me about 50 bucks. I mean, it is gorgeous. I had to wear it 50 times last year before I could stop considering it new, and I did easily wear it 50 times last year. This means that I do most of my shopping in the first part of the year, and I spend the rest of the year wearing those new things as much as possible. It's how I work. I cannot rest until an item is at less than one euro per wear. Depending on the price point of your wardrobe and your clothing budget, what I'm saying about one euro per wear, it might sound absurd to you. It is up to you to determine what is good for you and what kind of stingy wildebeest you want to be with yourself. I am a very stingy wildebeest, and I am very 
picky. Clearly, an item that only costs three bucks but has worn three times cannot possibly have as much of an impact on your wardrobe as, say, a 50-buck leather jacket worn 50 times. But what I can tell you is, if you have worn something 50 times, it's proof that it's a winner. What's nice about the CPW, both for the individual items in our wardrobe and for the global CPW for our entire wardrobe, is that it serves as a break on our spending. A break, less than like a break in a car. It slows down our spending. If I know that I have items in my closet that are still hovering at more than one euro per wear, I can tell myself that I cannot buy anything new until I have gotten X number more wares out of what I already own. This is an objective factor that puts me squarely in front of the reality of my spending and whether or not I have been trustworthy with my purchases in the past. Look, I know that all this sounds like geeky, geeky nonsense, but sometimes we need facts to straighten us out. The CPW is my plumb line that keeps me honest with myself about my spending. Our next column is repairs or alterations. I sometimes forget that I have a button missing or a hole in a t-shirt. If I really like an item of clothing, I will go to the trouble to mend a hole or sew back on a button. By taking a quick note of anything I have done, to care for the piece of clothing, it reminds me that this particular item is one I care enough about to go to the extra mile for. Something else I have been known to take note of is that, for example, I might have re-dyed a pair of jeans or a black dress that's starting to fade, or when I took a toothbrush and scrubbed my white sneakers. Because I keep track of how many times I've worn it, I will write, for example, re-dyed black at 36 wears, like new, or toothbrushed at 103 wears, like new. Because I'm not a tall person, I often have to take up the hem on my skirts or my pants, and I've been known to alter sleeves that I don't like or refashion something that I think needs an update. I will also write down these with the date. It's just a nice little reminder of the life cycle of my clothes. Being a good steward of what I own is something that brings me incredible joy. So the repairs or alterations column on my spreadsheet makes me really happy. The last column on our spreadsheet is one that I like to call what I like, what I hate. I go this extra step when I add an item to the inventory because, well, I'm sure that this never happens to you, but sometimes I will buy something and wear it once or twice and then discover that I absolutely hate it for some reason. I find that it's helpful to articulate what it is about the item that I just can't stand. Sometimes it will be that the material makes me sweat, or that the jeans fall down, or that the knees on the leggings get stretched out too fast, or, for example, that I should never allow myself to wear white because I cannot, for the life of me, keep it clean. I write these things down because articulating what I hated about the item helps me avoid making the same mistakes later. On the same note, I like to be specific about what I like about an item on the first blush. It might be the color or the fit, 
It might be that the v-neck isn't so deep that it's indecent. It might be the lace or just that intangible, this makes me feel like a million bucks criteria. The more specific you can be about what you like or what you hate, the better. Again, I know that this seems like a colossal waste of time and effort. I hear myself saying these words out loud and I think, who in the world besides you, Lily Fields, would take the time to write this stuff down? But, you know, one of my ideal life themes is that of making wise decisions. I suspect that for many of my Cinderella's, you would agree that she makes good decisions is something that you would like to have said about you. Well, I would argue that this process of doing the closet inventory and actually writing down the nitty gritty of what you like and what you don't like about the things that you currently own is a step towards making wise decisions articulating what you like and what you don't like for each individual item in your closet helps to make better buying or refraining from buying decisions in the future because you have put words to the discomfort of a too heavy cardigan or a too sheer pair of leggings instead of just ignoring that piece of clothing day in and day out in your closet you will think twice before you spend more money on something that you may not really need and have a vocabulary and some criteria for making a decision about something you do really need. You are not doing this so that you can redefine your style. The effort of a closet inventory is not a new year, new you kind of thing. You are doing it to find out what you actually like and what you actually wear and why. The why is a fact, at least it is a fact to you. You know, I have a lovely black dress that I rarely ever wear because, because it makes me feel jiggly. Is jiggly a provable fact? No. But to me, what I don't like about that dress is how it makes me feel jiggly. I'm not calling my own physique into question. I am simply stating that what I don't like about that dress is that it makes me feel jiggly. This little reason why is honestly (laughs) something I never thought I would share out loud, but here I am. Our closet inventory reveals a lot of things about ourselves, about our thought processes and our motivations. Your inventory is not something to be ashamed of. You are pouring a lot of personal details into this inventory, but they are personal details that are only relevant to you. They are your personal vocabulary, your personal budget, your likes and your dislikes. Hopefully, no one will ever see your inventory but you. And even if they do, no one will understand what it is that you're doing. I can say this with complete confidence because I sat down in a crowded waiting room at a doctor's office the other day and filled in my inventory for the day. And although there were several people with an eye shot, I can guarantee you that not one of them understood what I was doing. If this all makes you a little uncomfortable, it's because your closet inventory is going to put you face to face with some facts. You may or may not like seeing all these facts together in one place, but the effort will not go unrewarded. Bad decisions come when you're out there shopping just to fill a perceived void. Knowing what is actually in your closet can chip away at the factual basis for this perceived void. Eventually, you might even be ready to look at the deeper emotional reasons why you shop mindlessly in the first place. All right, so now we're on to the segment where I update you on my efforts to live out the golden rule this year, which is not going as rosily as I would have thought. 
Last week, I told you that maybe it was hard to think of what I would want someone to do for me in certain situations because actually, I wouldn't want someone to do anything for me. Well, I still stand by that. But I think that over the last week, I have used that as a license to simply not ask myself what I would want done. And therefore, obviously, as would follow, I simply do not do anything for anyone. It's like a backlash. So I had to start with the little things again, like putting toothpaste on the toothbrushes for my family, putting away laundry for people who are perfectly capable of putting their own laundry away, or sending those little text messages when I was thinking of someone. Starting with the little things, then working back up to the bigger, more important things. Listen, the golden rule rules, even though it's hard. You should really try it. Do just one little thing for someone this week. A little thing that would be meaningful to you if someone did it out of the blue for you. A little random act of kindness, if you will. If you have any closet therapy questions or inventory questions, drop me a line on Instagram or at lily at singwithyourfeet.com. That's lily, L-I-L-Y. I will do whatever I can to help you think through your closet inventory. You can also reach me on Instagram at singwithyourfeet. Be great this week, Cinderella. I believe in you. A great big thank you to Seven Productions here in Mulhouse, France for the use of the song La Joie as the intro and outro to the show, to Matt Kugler, who you can find on social media as Matt-K, who sang it, and to Claude Egwe, who wrote it. This is your fairy godmother signing off. Just remember, it is never too late to start singing with your feet.